0: John 10.10, and it's just something that I think is really applicable with what's going on right now in our country, and most of the time when I say that up here, it's because something disturbing and and scary and bad is going on, and this time it's kind of the opposite. Um, And I'll get into that in a minute. John 10.10, are you there? All right. Everyone there? All right. I want you to look about, pass the first stanza, because I just want to look at one, I never do it this way, but I want to look at one line, and it says, I have come that they might have life. I want to stop there. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray God that you will give wisdom, direction, anointing, and the right words to say today, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. This is a passage of Scripture that gets preached on a lot. You hear it quite often, uh, especially in full gospel churches. This is a a passage that that is very popular. Um, But they almost always preach on the second part there, that you might have it more abundantly. But what hit me this week as I read this, and I don't think it's ever hit me that way before, was just that phrase, I have come that they might have life. You know, that's a blessing from God that God puts upon us, gives us, is uh, the, the blessing of life. And uh, we've seen quite a turn in, the, in a week, basically, of having a new president. Um, and some of the things I'm pretty happy about. And, and I'm actually, you know, the people that have been here know that I was cautiously optimistic about the new president. I'm still cautiously optimistic, but I like some things. Number one, we're going to quit funding abortion overseas. Praise God. Yes. Praise God. Praise God for that. But for the first time in history, a vice president got up and spoke at the at the March for Life. What a blessing that is. Isn't that amazing? And I love the masterful way that he put the media in check, because they were trying to steer the conversation with him towards uh, the other march that's going on, and and President Trump swung it out around to, hey, you know, this Friday, there's a march that's even bigger, supposed to be even bigger than the march you're talking about, and actually, the odd thing is, is I understand the media never covers it. So what did that do? It forced the media to cover it. (laughs) I love it. It was awesome but you know what? I believe God blesses a people that preserves life. Have you ever noticed that wherever the devil goes, he brings death? Isn't that what the passage says? That that Satan is there to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his whole goal in life. That is his mission. His mission is to kill you Steal from you and destroy you. That's his mission. That's what he wants to do. God, on the other hand, is a life giver. He brings life wherever he goes. And and those have been here, you know, you know the, the, the studies that I have done about Christianity's impact across the world and the, and the amazing impact. Because when you look at the media nowadays, or you look on social media or some of these things, they'll talk about the the Inquisitions and the Crusades and all the horrors that have been brought about by Christianity. And frankly, it's just not true. When you look across the world, uh, Cannibalism, that was very prominent in many of the, the southern Pacific islands. The Christianity basically has done away with it. Uh, in, in parts of the Middle East and even in Israel in past times, even in biblical days, babies, children meant nothing. There was hillsides scattered with babies. Every day there would be new ones that they would take out there and throw out to their death because they were not wanted, mostly females. We know that Christianity changed that, changed that whole perception. Women, I'm sorry, you were nothing but property for, for many, many years. You were nothing more than a piece of property. But Christianity gave you value and made a woman to be valuable and something more than just a piece of property. That's what God does. He brings about life wherever He goes. Lack of Jesus brings about death. You take these people who want to kill indiscriminately, it is because they have a void in their life and they don't know who Jesus Christ is. And we have today Planned Parenthood that brags uh, about their their task, their mission, their goal. Much of it is abortion. They're founded by Margaret Sanger, who was a very outspoken feminist, Proponent of abortion, a racist, and they still today gladly, proudly proclaim that she is our founder. She's the one that started, here's some things she said. Margaret Sanger said, we should apply a stern and rigid policy of sterilization and segregation to that grade of the population whose progenity is tainted. Those whose inheritance is such that objectionable traits may be transmitted to offspring. So if you are not good enough, according to her, you should be sterilized. You should be killed, taken away, destroyed. In her writing a plan for peace from Birth Control Review in 1932, Article 1, she said the purpose of the American Baby Code shall be to provide for a better distribution of babies and to protect society against the propagation and increase of the unfit. Article 4 said no woman shall have the legal right to bear a child. What? No woman shall have the legal right to bear a child, and no man shall have the right to become a father without a permit. This is what she wanted for America. The founder of Planned Parenthood. Article 6 says, No permit for parenthood shall be valid for more than one birth. That's the view that she had about children, about babies. This is where her thinking was. Woman Morality and Birth Control that she wrote in 1922 says we should hire three or four colored ministers, preferably with social service backgrounds and with engaging personalities. The most successful educational approach to the Negro is through a religious appeal. We don't want the word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. This woman started that organization, and they laud her as the leader today, as, their, as, as the one that, uh, that they their founder. This is what not knowing God does. This is what not having a relationship with Jesus Christ does. She said of black people that they are human weeds. Reckless breeders, spawning human beings who should never have been born. Of mankind as a whole, she said, but for my view, I believe that there should be no more babies. Now, I'm just guessing, but I'm thinking that she might have been an angry person. (laughs) I don't know. Something would seem to indicate that to me. Psalm 139.13 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance." Yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. Do you know that God knew you before the foundation of the world? He knew your name, He knew how many hairs you would have on your head, and with some of you that's a lot harder than it is for others. But... (laughs) But God knew every hair on your head. He knew everything you would ever do. He knew every, every action you would ever take, every thought you would ever think. And you know what? Despite all those things you were going to do and think, He loved you. He loved you enough to plan a way of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. This is what it says in the Amplified. I like the way it words it. For you form my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He knitted you. He created you. I will give thanks and praise to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed, as if embroidered with many colors in the depth of the earth, your eyes have been my un, have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written in the days that were appointed for me. Then as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. God formed you before you were ever here. He knew exactly what you were going to be. And God loved His people enough to, to, to create, design a plan of salvation so that mankind had a way of escaping the consequences for sin, which is what? Death. There's only one way. And the Satan's job is what? Kill steal and destroy and you know in my line of work we deal with a lot of those things and one of the saddest to me is another one that the devil loves to use and that is suicide he begins to gnaw away at a person's mind and gets into their spirit and i believe that suicide is a spiritual thing And he gets gets into their spirit, and he begins to make them feel like they have no purpose, like nobody cares, like they have no value, and there's no answer, there's no place to turn, and their mind and their spirit continually dwells on all the things that didn't go right, and all the things that aren't going right, and all the things they don't know what to do about, and all that, and it begins to weigh down on them. And in a matter of a moment, they make a decision. If you were watching the news the other day, a... uh, a fellow was driving across a bridge and I don't even remember what town it was in now that it doesn't come back to me at the moment but he saw a guy on the side of the bridge actually his little boy saw him and pointed out said hey that guy looks like he's going to jump and the guy stopped his vehicle in the middle of traffic put on his emergency flashers and went over there to the edge of the bridge and started to talk to this man a veteran who was broke and had no, no, no idea what to do. He was financially destroyed. He had no place to go and his life was in shambles. And this man stopped in the middle of traffic, turned on his emergency flashes and talked the man off the side of the bridge. He saved a life. He saved somebody from the grips of Satan that tries to take their lives and destroy them. And I say, praise God for him. To Satan you are worthless, but God says you are valuable. God says, I formed you. While Satan is whispering in your ear and say you're worthless and, and nobody cares and there's nothing you can't do anything and you'll never be anything, God says, forget him, I formed you in your mother's womb. I formed you, I designed you. And the argument goes, conservatives are trying to legislate in my bedroom. That's the stupidest argument I ever heard. I don't know, they're all pretty stupid. A woman has a right over her own body. I love this little meme they do on, on Facebook that shows the, the cut out of a woman's body and then a baby. Have you seen that? And then have an arrow that says, Woman's body, baby's body. They're two separate bodies. The, the effect of abortion is not about a woman's body. It is about the body of a human being that is inside of her that she is carrying. And then somebody said in a comment yesterday that I read, it says, well, what would we do with all those unwanted babies? What a sad way of thinking about another human being. What a sad, disgusting way. Romans chapter 1 says that God will turn them over into a reprobate mind. Folks, we're dealing with a generation where reprobate thinking has become the norm. It has become normal to think and reprobate. And when you can look at a human baby and say, what are you going to do with that unwanted thing? There's something wrong with you. There's something seriously wrong with a person that can say such a thing. And then they say a woman's right to abort. I'm going to try to wrap this up. I told you I was going to be short because we've got this all exciting meeting that you're looking to, looking to. Did you notice that God's Word says that He formed you, He designed you, He created you? Life is something that God gives. God gave you the right to live. And I don't care what any court says, the Constitution of the United States of America protects babies. It's called the 14th Amendment. Here's what happened. You know the story of slavery, the horrors that were involved in slavery. And the American government said, never again will we allow one segment of society to be viewed as worthless, to be viewed as less than somebody else. And so they adopted the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. This is so simple that you would think even the Supreme Court would understand it. It says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life or property or liberty without due process of law. That was so straightforward you would think that even the Supreme Court would get it. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Folks, babies unborn are protected by the Constitution of the United States. It does not matter what judge, what court makes a ruling. To the contrary, the Constitution stands above those rulings. We know that the Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created equal. That they were endowed by who? By their Creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. By the Bill of Rights of the United States of America, unborn babies are protected. The Hippocratic Oath. The original version says, I will neither give a deadly drug to anybody who worked for it or who asked for it, nor will I make a suggestion to this effect. Similarly, I will not give to a woman an abortive remedy. Impurity and holiness, I will guard my life and my art. In 1964 it was amended slightly. Somewhat. It says, I will maintain the utmost respect for human life from the Time of conception, even under threat, I will not use my medical knowledge contrary to the laws of humanity. In the following year, 1949, they reiterated it by a draft of the World Medical Association. They said, a doctor must always bear in mind the obligation of preserving human life from conception. That's the oath that every doctor took. Every doctor. The modern version Although watered down, still, I think, says much the same thing. It says, This is the one they take today. Most especially must I tread with care in matters of life and death. If it is given to me to save a life, all thanks. But it may also be within my power to take a life. This awesome responsibility must be faced with great humbleness and awareness of my own frailty. Above all, I must not play God. I'm sorry, but somebody... Killing a human being within the womb of a woman is playing God. That is what that person is doing. And we have them marching on different cities in the United States right now. And this didn't mean, I didn't even intend this to be a political message, honestly, I'm not. But this is what's happening around us right now, so I think it's good to touch on it. Right now they're talking about all this stuff. They're marching for a right to abort, and it's a women's march. Do you realize that 50% of those, 20, those 50 million babies that we killed were female? So how can this be a women's march when, you're looking, when they're looking for a right that does not exist that they can terminate a human being within them? Psalm 22 says, 2210 says, I, w- I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb you have been my God. What a powerful... Powerful statement right there, and I want to I want to show you something that actually Debbie Simpson uh, sent it to me, uh, and I've seen it a couple of times on the internet. So you may have seen it, but it's so powerful. If you will just be patient, I want you to to watch this because it'll speak to your to your heart. So give me just a moment to figure out technology, and I'm going to play this for you. And you may have seen it. All I have to do is figure out where it is. Ah, there it is. Well, you know it's always beneficial when you help me. I'm adopted, and my
1: biological mother was 17, and so was my, my biological mom. father. She was seven and a half months pregnant when she decided to go to Planned Parenthood, which is the largest abortion provider in the world, and they counseled her to have a late-term saline abortion, which is a saline salt solution that is injected into the mother's womb, The baby gulps that solution, it burns the baby inside and out. And then she is to deliver a dead baby within 24 hours. And to everyone's great shock and surprise, uh, I didn't arrive dead but alive on April the 6th, 1977, in a Los Angeles County abortion clinic. What's fantastic about this, about the perfect timing of my arrival... ...is that the abortionist was not on duty yet. So he wasn't even given the opportunity to continue on with his plan for my life, which was death. And I know that I am in a government building, and a beautiful one it is, and I love your country as well as my own. But I know in the age that we live in, it is not at all politically correct... To say the name of Jesus Christ in places like this. To to bring him into these sorts of meetings because his name can make people so terribly uncomfortable. But I didn't survive so I could make everyone comfortable. I survived so I could stir things up a bit. And I have a great time in doing it. And so I was delivered alive, as I've already said, after 18 hours. I should be blind, I should be burned, I should be dead. And yet I'm not. You know what is fantastic vindication? Is the fact that the abortionist had to sign my birth certificate. (laughs) So I know who he is. And it also says for any skeptic listening on my medical records, born during saline abortion. Ha! They didn't win. I've done some research on the man that performed the abortion on me. And his clinics are the largest chain of clinics in the United States of America, and they gross 70. Million dollars a year I read him say I read a quote from him At some point uh, Several years ago And he said I have aborted over a million babies And I consider it my passion I tell you these things Because listen ladies and gentlemen We are in an interesting battle whether we realize it or not, in this world, it is a battle between life and death. What side are you on? So a nurse called an ambulance and had me transferred to a hospital, which is absolutely miraculous. Generally, the practice at the time, and up until 2002, was, in in my country, was to... In the life of an abortion survivor by strangulation, suffocation, leaving the baby there to die, or throwing the baby away. But in, on August the 5th, 2002, my extraordinary President Bush signed into law the Born Alive Infants Protection Act to prevent that from occurring anymore. You see We're playing for for keeps. We're playing for I mean I'm hoping to be hated by the time that I die so that I can feel God about me and understand what it was to be hated. I mean he was hated. Christ was hated. And not that I look forward to being hated, but I know along my journey, I know I'm already hated because I declare life. I say, you didn't get me. The silent holocaust didn't win over me. And my mission, ladies and gentlemen, many uh, among many things is this to infuse humanity into a debate that we have just compartmentalized and set on a shelf and said it is an issue, we have removed our emotions, we are becoming harder. Do you really want that? How much are you willing to take and how much are you willing to risk to to? Speak the truth in love and graciousness and stand up and at least be willing to be hated? Or at the end of the day, is it all about you? Or me? And so after that I was placed in an emergency foster care home. Where they decided they didn't like me very well And as I'm fond of saying I don't know how you could not adore me Right from the start What is wrong with these people? But they didn't You see I've been hated since conception By so many And loved by so many more But most especially By God I'm his girl, you don't mess with God's girl. I got a sign on my forehead that says, you better be nice to me because my father runs the world. <laughs> so after I was placed in the mean home, I was taken out of the mean home and placed into another home, a beautiful home, Penny's home. And she she said, by this time I was 17 months old 32 pounds of dead weight, and diagnosed with what I consider to be the gift of cerebral palsy, which was caused directly by the lack of oxygen to my brain while I was trying to survive. Now, I am just compelled to say this. If abortion is merely about women's rights, ladies and gentlemen, then what were mine? There was not a radical feminist standing up and yelling about how my rights were being violated that day. In fact, my life was being snuffed out in the name of women's rights. And ladies and gentlemen, I would not have cerebral palsy had I not survived all of this. So when I hear the appalling, disgusting argument that we should... Have abortions because the child just might be disabled. Oh, the horror that fills my heart. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things that you will only be able to learn by the weakest among us. And when you snuff them out, you are the one that loses. The Lord looks after them, but you are the one that will suffer forever. And what arrogance, what absolute arrogance, and it has been an argument for so long in this human place that we live that the stronger should dominate the weaker, should determine who lives or dies. The arrogance of that, don't you realize that you cannot make your own heart beat? Don't you realize that all the power that you think you possess, you really possess none of it. It is the mercy of God that sustains you, even when you hate him. So they looked at my dear Penny and they said, Gianna will never be anything, which is always encouraging. And she decided to ignore them, and she worked with me three times a day, and I began to hold up my head, and they said, well, Gianna will never this and never that. Long story shorter, I was walking by the age of three and a half with a walker and leg braces, and I stand up here today with a mild little limp, and without a walker and leg braces. I fall gracefully sometimes, and very ungracefully at other times, depending on the situation, but I consider it all for the glory of God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I am weaker than most of you, but this is my sermon. And what a small price to pay to be able to blaze through the world as I do and offer hope and i think in our misunderstanding of the way things work we we misunderstand how beautiful suffering can be i don't willingly sign up for it but when it comes we forget we forget that god is in control and god has a way of making the most miserable thing beautiful met my biological mother. I have forgiven my biological mother. I am a Christian. She's a very broken woman. She came to an event I was having two years ago, showed up unannounced and said, hello, I'm your mother. And It was a very difficult day. And yet while I was, <laughs> while I was enduring all of this, You'll probably think I'm silly. But I was sitting there and I was thinking. I don't belong to you. I belong to Christ. I'm his girl. And I'm a princess. So no matter what you say. In all your anger and brokenness and rage. It's not mine to keep. It's not mine to carry. And I won't. I was saying all this inside. So ladies and gentlemen, you have an opportunity. But for just a brief moment, I would like to speak directly to the men in this room and do something that is never done. Men, you are made for greatness. You are made to stand up and be men. You are made to defend women and children Not stand by and turn your head when you know murder is occurring and do nothing about it. You are not made to use women and leave us alone. You are made to be kind and great and gracious and strong and stand for something. Because men, listen to me. I am too tired to do your job. Women, you are not made for abuse. You are not made to sit and, and not know your worth and your value. You are made to be fought for forever. So now is your moment. What sort of people are you going to be? I trust incredible. I trust, men, you will, you will rise to the occasion. To the politicians listening, particularly to the men, I would say this, you are made for greatness, set your politics aside. You are made to defend what is right and good. This fiery young girl will stand here and say, now's your moment. What sort of man do you want to be? A man obsessed with your own glory, or a man obsessed with the glory of God? It's time to take a stand, Victoria. This is your hour. God will assist you. God will be with you. You have the opportunity. To glorify and honor God in 2008. I'll just end with this. Some of you might be slightly annoyed that all I keep doing is talking about God and Jesus. But how on earth can I walk about limping through this world. And not give all my heart and mind and soul and strength to the Christ who gave me life. So if you think I'm a fool, it's just another jewel in my crown. My whole intent in living here is to make God smile. I hope some of this made sense. It just came from my heart. God
0: bless and keep you. Thank you, dear brother. And I, and I showed that last week was, was uh, uh, Sanctity of Human Life week, and I missed it by a week, so I decided to do that this week. But I did that because we prayed. We prayed as a church. We prayed as a nation. And I think that some things have changed. I pray that some things have changed. There's a possibility that we get somebody into the Supreme Court who actually understands that thing called the Constitution. Maybe Roe versus Wade will be overturned. I think we need to keep praying. I think we as a people need to keep praying and not let up because there's a chance by the grace of God that we can stop this Holocaust that has been happening across this land. Um, Those children are precious. Each one of them is precious. And we need to hold this up to the Lord and continue to do so. Would you stand and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we look to you and God, we prayed. We prayed fervently, urgently. People across this country and across the world prayed urgently, Lord. And we can only believe that you answered our prayer. We don't understand what goes on in Washington, D.C. and among our politicians there's so much that happens that we don't know about, but what I do know, Lord, is that whatever, however much power and authority they have, you are greater, and that you control all things, God, and, and we look to you, and Father, we pray right now, we take time to pray for these mothers who are, who are broken and destroyed and in horrible situations, and God, they they think that there's no place to go and there's no answer, and so they go down to a clinic and they facilitate the murder of their own child. God would pray for those mothers right now. I pray, God, that You will touch them, change their minds, change their hearts, give them a testimony of Jesus Christ, bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that You will Continue the, this, this momentum in the right direction, God, to stop this holocaust in this land. I pray, God, that you'll give the president courage and boldness and, and passion to do what needs to be done. I pray, Lord, that you will, that you will put the mechanism in order to stop the, the killing of these children. Lord, we pray for our land once again. We pray for our nation once again. We know, God, that you are the giver of life. We know, Lord, that the enemy is the taker of life. We pray for life right now in Jesus' name. Praise you and glory to your name. Father, we love you. In the name of Jesus, our King, amen. 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 I know I probably got in trouble for going longer than I was supposed to.